Greetings in Jesus' name. Man, let's, let's ask the Lord to speak to us once again. Father, as we prayed, may it be done to us. Minister to us. Minister to everyone who's watching us. Part of the service, Lord, from wherever they are joining us from, we pray that you will minister your word. You, you will make your word relevant. You will make your word relevant to each and every one of us. Speak in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. The Holy Spirit has been speaking so generously to us, so lavishly. Amen. And there's no better word to express the way in which God has been dealing with us. Man, so lavish. Like I said, we don't deserve this by our merits. But praise God for the blood. Man, we've been hearing about that. Praise God for the blood. Praise God for what he thinks about us because of the blood. Though we are undeserving in our earthly standards, God made us deserving by the standards of his blood. Amen. Even worthy to receive his counsel. Man. One of the things that the Lord has assured me this season is that the word will become flesh. Amen. The Lord said the word will become flesh. I, I, heard it, I heard it multiple times. The Lord said the word will become flesh. So whatever is being ministered here will become flesh. It will manifest. Amen. Uh, the Holy Spirit will perform it without fail. Amen. We are in that time, whether you know it or not, we are in that time where the Lord will do it. Amen. So that is why it is important for us to grab hold of everything that comes our way. Amen. Don't let any word just pass us by. Grab hold of it. Treasure it. Say treasure it. So we've been considering uh, an incredible character these past few weeks. Character by the name, say Hannah. What does Hannah mean? Hannah means grace. And we've been uh, specifically looking at the way she worshipped God. Hannah's worship, say Hannah's worship. There is something incredible about Hannah's worship. And last week we considered Hannah's prayer. And I told you, I showed you from the scripture that there is no distinction between her prayer and her worship. It's all the same. When Hannah prays, she is worshipping. When Hannah is worshipping, she is praying. And I told you the, the importance of us being in that place where we don't try to compartmentalize worship and prayer. Every time you stand before God in prayer, you are in worship. And every time you stand before God in worship, you are praying. Man, there is exchange happening. There is communication happening. And Hannah's prayer or Hannah's prayer song or Hannah's song it, it taught us that we must come to that place. We also con considered how contrasting was Hannah's worship with the setting that she was placed in. I mean, that was incredible. The setting in which Hannah was placed and the worship that she offered was so contrasting. She was not part of the establishment. Say establishment. Man, you, you must always understand there is always an establishment which is not established by God. But it will not stand. In due time, it will fail. God will judge everything that is not established by him. So Hannah was right in the middle of an establishment, was not, but she was not part of it. She was not part of the establishment. She was not part of that, that system. The, the system that she was placed in had become so corrupt. The priest of the day, the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood of the day, they will hinder people who came to worship from worshiping God. They will stand in the way of people being able to see God. And they will steal the worship from God. We looked at all that. The, you know, we looked at Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, the judge or the priest, who was judging over Israel at that time, or the priest over Israel at that time. And uh, the two sons who grew up in the house of God, the Bible says they knew nothing about the Lord. And they knew nothing about the customs of the priest. It's interesting, right? You can be, I told you last week also, you can grow up in the house of God, you can grow up in a Christian family and yet know nothing about the customs of God. So, but she was not part of that system. Hannah could have become subject to that system. Hannah could have blamed it on the corrupt system. We can, we can blame it on others, right? For not, not being, being so spiritual. spiritual. 
for not being what God wants us to be. We can blame it on others. We can always place the blame on our, the system. The church is kind of boring. The worship leader is not quite up there. You know, the ministers are, they don't have the oratory skills to capture our hearts. You can blame it on your parents. I grew up in a family and, you know, I, 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 could not, I could not see God because of all things that are going. We can blame it on everything that is in a part of the establishment that we are placed in. But Hannah did not blame it on anything like that. She did not blame it on Hophni and Phineas. She could have, she could have hid behind Eli. Oh, today we cannot do anything much. We go there, we do our worship, we do our customs and we come back. What else can we do? She did not do that. Instead of blaming it on the system, she chose to have a direct relationship with God. Man, her prayer was not through man. Her connection with God was not through man. But she valued the, the man that God has placed over her life. The, her husband and also the priest, she valued them, she cherished them. But her relationship with God was not hiked on them or pegged on them. We must let go of every excuse with regards to worship. I'm telling you, we have a lot of excuses with regards to worship. <sighs> the 21st century Christians have a lot of excuses with regards to worship. We can, we can say different things. I, you know, had a long week. Had a long week. I had a busy schedule. I had a lot of things to look into. My work was so tight. Kids did not give me any time. I had a lot of guests at, guests at home. You can bring all your excuses to man. The pastor might keep quiet. But to, before God, it will not, it will not go. It will not go. God is very serious about worship. I told you last week, He is very much involved with your worship. He wants to get involved with your worship. Now we would like to just stand in the outer fringes, just wave your hands and leave. But God wants to get involved. He wants to have exchange with us. There's a flow that happens in the spiritual realm when you're when you're worshiping God, when you're praying before God, when you're in the spirit. There is a there's a flow, there's a connect. So I you know I want you to take effort. Take the effort. Take the effort to find out all those excuses, put it in a garbage bag, and burn it in your backyard. Once and for all. All your excuses. You must resolve today in the presence of God, in the house of God, in the company of saints and angels like you sang just now, that you're never going to present an, an excuse before God when it comes to your worship. It'll change your life. It'll bless your life. Now you, you cannot blame the system. You cannot blame the culture. You cannot blame the setting. You cannot blame anybody. You cannot blame anything. When it comes to worship, it is your, what you owe God. Because worship is due unto Him. You're under that responsibility that it has to flow. It has to be given. It is His. It does not belong to you. You cannot keep His worship from Him because it is not yours to keep. Worship is not yours to keep. Amen. Worship is unto God. Yes. It belongs only to God. So if you can all come to that place, worship belongs only to God. And, and you must, your, your hands must burn. Your, your, your heart must burn when you are when you're holding back worship. Your whole being must be on fire when you're holding back worship from God. Because you know that you're holding back something that belongs to Him. Amen. Hallelujah. You, you, cannot, you cannot stand in the presence of God and, and just be any way you want to be. You cannot. Because you have something within you which belongs to Him. So don't come into the presence of God thinking it's all about Him giving you something. He has given you everything. There is nothing more for Him to give. He, when God gave you Jesus Christ, the Father gave you Christ, He has given you everything. Every single thing. Now all that is due 
is due unto Him. Your worship. A true worshiper does not follow any patterns of this world. He is outside of the pattern. And Hannah was not in the pattern. The pattern that was around her was something else. It was corrupt. It was hindering true worship. But she was not part of the pattern. In the New Testament, we hear, you must not be conformed to the patterns of this world. There are patterns that are established even within the so-called church. Even within the so-called church, there are patterns, there are establishments which are not from God. And God will bring it down. In due time, He'll bring it down. But you as a believer of God, a child of God, must not become part of that establishment. Amen. Worship is swimming against the flow. Amen. The world is flowing in a certain direction. Worshippers flow the other direction. Because the Bible says, to be worldly minded is enmity with God. You cannot be friends with God and be worldly minded at the same time. You cannot be a worshipper and a worldly person at the same time. God speaking to you. Hallelujah. And true worship. True worship is a very intense, say intentional. It's intentional. True worship is intentional. It's not accidental. True worship is intentional, not accidental. That means you have to get up in the morning. You have to come into the presence of God with intentions to worship God. You have to rise up every morning from, from the bed. And I, I, I know for one thing, if I can be intentional about my discipline with, in my walk with the Lord, I'm good. I cannot blame it on anybody. The moment I become intentional, sorted. Worship has to be intentional. It has to be intentional. Hannah did not come into the, 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 in the house of God, into the house of God accidentally. I hope you didn't come into this, in the, into this house, into the sanctuary accidentally this morning. I hope you're intentional. About what? Intentional about, I want to be in the presence of God. I want to give Him worship. Today morning, I, ha I have to give it to Him because it belongs to Him. It's a very intentional process. Hannah did not wait for worship to happen around her. A true worshiper does not need any warm-ups in worship. He's always ready to worship. It's a lifestyle, that's right. Even he, when he's sleeping, he's worshiping. Every, with every breath he takes. Why does the Bible talk about every breath? Every breath is intentional to worship. There's a, there's a, there's a lingering knowledge in the person's mind, in his her heart, in his, in his or her uh, head, that I am created to worship God. So don't, don't wait for warm-ups. Hannah did not wait for the band to sing her favorite song. Some of us worship only when that favorite song turns up. Or this favorite artist. That's why you must be able to worship with or without the band. You must be able to worship with or without music. You must be able to worship with or without accompaniment. Accompaniment is good. Music is good. Lights are good. Everything is good. But your worship is not dependent. Say dependent. dependent. Hallelujah. Come to that place. Come to that place where you're not depending on anything or anybody to worship. Because it's, it's see, in your worship, there is no third party. There is no third, there is no third party in your worship. There are only two parties involved in your worship, you and God. Amen. Come to terms with that. It's not me, my neighbor and God. No, it's me and God. Amen. Worship is a spiritual exercise. Hannah did not wait for other mothers in Israel to, to make some vows. She did not wait for other mothers. Okay, what is my neighbor doing today? Oh, she has made the vow that she's going to give her son to the Lord. So let me also do it. No, she did not. I'm telling you, what she did was one of a kind. It has never been before. Uh, she was a pioneer in worship. Absolutely. Brilliantly put. She was a pioneer in that kind of worship. She gave... See, the, see, Nazarite vow was a common thing. But to have a lifetime Nazarite vow over an unborn child, not even conceived in your womb, <laughs> that, that is some kind of worship you're talking about. And she is not even pregnant. She, she did not even know her husband. But she decided, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to offer this child. And then she went out. But his face was no longer sad. Hallelujah. Say unhindered worship. Say true worship. 
I hope you are really, you really want to learn these things. This is part of the purification that we are in. Man, that we, we are able to stand before God in purity, we can worship Him. It all comes to this level. God loves me and He loves my worship. I don't know about you, but every time I stand in worship, I know that God loves to hear me sing. I don't sing for any man. I'm not singing for any man. When I came to the Lord, the first decision I made, the very first decision I made was, I said, I'm not going to sing for man. I'm not going to sing for the world. If I'm going to sing, I'm going to sing for the Lord. Yeah. Almost 20 years, 21 years of being with, walking with the Lord, I've never, 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 not even once, God is my witness, not even once breached that. Not even once. Not even once thought of breaching it. Because that is my worship unto God. Between me and God. It's personal. I don't need anybody to tell me it's right or wrong. I know it is right. Because I'm created for that. When, when God plays my vocal cords, when God built my lungs, when God placed the air within me, and I mean, I, there is no other purpose. I'm so absolutely convinced that I'm created to worship. Every fiber of my being will testify that I'm created to worship. And that's where God wants you to be. That's where God wants all of us to be. That everything that you do is unto worship. Everything that you do. I just used music as, a, as an example, singing as an example. But everything that you do, that is a relational. It's based on relationship. That's based on your knowledge of who God is and what he has done for you. You're good. You sang that song. You are good. Do you know how much good he is? How much of his goodness have you tasted? That's why, that's why Jesus told uh, Simon the Pharisee, now you love little because you've been forgiven little. Probably that's the reason you love little. But this woman, she loves much. Why? Because she has been forgiven much. She has tasted of the goodness of God so much, she can't. I mean, everything is that, that she has is for him. You, can't, you couldn't even spare one jar, one jar of water on my feet. But she came with an expensive perfume to pour on my feet. Why? Because she loves much. Because she has been forgiven much. She has tasted of my goodness much. No, Hannah, Hannah gave birth. Hannah was one of a kind. How many of you agree that Hannah was one of a kind? She was definitely one of a kind. She gave to Samuel. She gave birth to Samuel who was one of a kind. Hannah was one of a kind. But finally when she gave birth, she gave birth to Samuel who was? I mean there was not a prophet like him before. Never been a prophet like him before. I'm telling you. He was one of a kind. He, Hannah was one of a kind worshipper and she gave, to, he, she gave birth to Samuel who was one of a kind prophet. Now you can only bring forth after your own kind. You can only raise up after your own kind. You're expecting something great to happen in your circle. It cannot happen unless you birth it. Now Hannah brought forth Samuel. No Samuel, full of revelation. At a time when there was no revelation, by the way. A stingy worshiper can never bring forth rich revelation from God. Because Hannah was a lavish worshiper, she brought forth somebody with rich revelation of God. This is very important for you to understand. Your stingy worship will not fetch you any Rich revelation. You want to live in rich revelation. You want, to, you want to reap the benefits of the revelation of God's word. You must be a worshiper. You must be a true worshiper. You must be a, a zealous worshiper. And your, your life will be blessed with the abundance of his word. The manifestation of his word. Why? Because you are so full of worship. Now Hannah's life is testimony to that. Okay, let's read from 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the big Samuel. Now the boy. Eh? Now the boy Samuel was ministering. So boys are allowed to minister? Are boys allowed to minister? Who said? God's word says? Are you sure about it? Get rid of all this baggages. Uh, can little children minister? They can minister. Can women minister? Anyone who God has called and chosen can minister. As simple as that. 
You don't need man's approval to minister. You need God's calling to minister. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. And the word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. So look at again, look at the, the context in which Hannah gave birth to Samuel. Hannah lived in such a time. Hannah gave birth to Samuel in such a time when the word from the Lord was very rare. And visions were infrequent, the Bible says. But it came to Samuel. Word came from God to whom? How? By means of? How did it come to Samuel? Through a messenger? Tele television? Like he heard a television preacher. How did it come to Samuel? How did Samuel receive from God? Say hearing. He heard what? What did he hear? He heard the, the voice. Are you sure about it? A boy who ministered, a boy who ministered in the house of God heard what? <laughs> Some of you have grown beyond your boyhood. You, have, you are now in your adulthood. Even beyond that, some of you. But are you confident that you can hear from God? If a boy in the Old Testament could hear audible voice of God accurately and translate into words, does the 21st century born again church have any excuse? I mean, do you, do you even understand the zone in which we are placed? Who is a Christian? What are the privileges of a Christian? We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. At a time when visions were infrequent and the word of the Lord was rare, Samuel the boy heard from God. But today you are the church. You cannot be in a place where you can't hear from God. Because God has placed within you who? Not the postman. Not the media guy. God has placed within you the Holy Spirit. So that you can always hear from God. By means of audible voice, it goes on to prove that a mother's worship can even impact the generations after her. The fact that Samuel could hear the audible voice of God has to be traced back to what his mother did. His mother was, an, uh, was a one-of-a-kind worshiper. She prayed like nobody's business. She, she made a vow before God like never before. She poured out in worship like never before, like nobody else in that time. Parents, listen to this. What? Your, your worship, your worship determines, determines your child's future. Your children, are a pro uh, your children are a product of your prayer. Your children are a product of your worship. Their life is a, is a manifestation of your worship. Thus Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the... What? So where did it go? He did not, the Lord did not allow any of his words to fall to the ground. All Israel, say all Israel. From Dan, even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was confirmed. Say confirmed. Oh, I love it. That Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. All Israel from Dan, even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared, appeared again at Shiloh because the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Now I wanted to go back to verse... Um, verse 7. Okay, I just want to know, between the time the Lord called, I mean, I'm just trying to tell you what happened in, in chapter 3. Okay, I would say chapter th 3, we can call it the making of a prophet. This is the making, this chapter contains everything that happened which made Samuel the prophet. This is the process of making Samuel the prophet. So Hannah 
dropped off Samuel. He, he, she came with Samuel and told Eli, this is the child that God gave me. I, gave it, I, gave, I give my son to the Lord and he shall serve before the Lord all the days of his life. She left. Then chapter 3 verse 1 onwards says, now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. Verse 7 says, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord been, yet been revealed to him. So there is a point at his uh, in his life where God called him by name, but Samuel did not yet know the? I like that, that the construction. He did not yet know the Lord. So we, we talk about knowing the Lord. So in the Old Testament also it talks about knowing the Lord. He did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been what? Sir, revealed. So word has to be what? God's word has to be? There has to be a revelation of God's word. You can, you can by heart all of God's word and it will still not profit you. I'm telling you. I know people who can, who, who can quote scriptures like nobody's business. All the by hearting of scripture is not going to profit you. Unless you, you want to you want the word to be revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? If the word is not revealed to you, it is not going to profit. It is not going to profit. It is just going to be mere words. Knowledge puffs up. It will profit nothing. Now it talks about, even in the, in the New Testament, we read about how the word which was not united with faith did not profit them. It, the Bible specifically says it did not profit them. Those who received the word yet did not unite it with faith. They couldn't mix it with faith. It did not profit them. So knowing the word in your head will not profit you. It has to be revealed to you. Man, you have to know the Lord and you have to get the revelation of his word for it to profit you. Amen. Otherwise, you'll be just a child who when you are called by God, you'll be like, okay, who is this now? Maybe Eli is calling me. He ran when God called Samuel by name. Who called God, Samuel by name? One more time. You're, you're sure about that? The Bible says God called Samuel by name. When God called Samuel by name, what did he do? He responded, how? He got up and he said, I'm coming. He ran to Eli's room and said, you call me. So what do you want me to do? Eli said, I didn't call you. He went back again. Again, the Lord called him. Who would call in the middle of the night? Second time. Mama not there, Papa not there, nobody's there. Only Eli is there because he did not yet know the Lord. See, unless you have a knowledge of the Lord, you will miss, you will miss out on communication from God. God can speak to you blaring loud, but if you don't know the Lord, if you haven't, if the word of God has not been revealed to you by the Holy Spirit, if you restrict yourself from being revealed by the Holy Spirit, the word being revealed by the Holy Spirit, you will miss out on what God wants to speak to you. You will think it's Eli calling from the other room. You will think it's, it's your dad calling from the other room. You will think it's your friend calling from the other house. You will think like that and you will run to them. You will miss out on your appointment with God. God called Samuel in the middle of the night for what? To have an appointment with him. God called him, Samuel. Samuel got up, ran to the other room. Eli, did you call me? Eli said, no, my son. He went back. Three times, the same thing. Samuel ran to Eli. Eli said, I did not call you. Third time again, ran to Eli. Eli said, no, I didn't call you. But the next time you hear the call, because he knew. I, I like that fact. I like the fact that Eli had that kind of a sense. Because he's a priest of God. I mean, though, though his sons were like, you know, wayward and doing all kinds of crazy things. Somewhere in the, in the depths of his being, he knew that God still speaks. Even though he lived in a time where God stopped speaking, it was rare for God to give a word. It, a revelation from God was very infrequent, but he knew that maybe because he has known God at some point of his life. That's right. Eli introduced Samuel to his God. Oh. You must be thankful for the people who introduce you to God. Are you thankful? Do you pray for those who, who, who shared the word with you? Do you pray for those who shared the gospel with you? Do you, do you pray for those people who, 
who labored just to reveal God's word to you. You must pray. Be thankful. Because if not for Eli's one small mentoring phrase, it was a mentoring that took place. One word. All the other things that took place was less significant. But this one session of mentoring, when Eli said, the next time you hear the voice of God, when you hear the voice, say, here I am, Lord, speak to me. It changed his life. And some of you need a, some of you just need a simple correction, a small, as if you're available for that small correction, your life will change. Just one phrase, if you, if you can receive that, from whoever God has placed over you, your life will change. So between the first verse of that, of that chapter and the last verse of that chapter, three major things happened. One, Samuel started hearing the audible voice of God and receiving a revelation from the mouth of God directly, even as a child. Second, Samuel prophesied over whom? Over Eli. He started prophesying over his own mentor. What kind of a prophet is that? He's one of a kind. God gave him a word about his mentor. Because the mentor has come to a place of, he's not able to hear God. He was so full of himself and he was... He had two children who were like, you know, giving him so much of trouble. He stopped having a connection with God directly. Now, Samuel was called in the middle of the night while in the house of God, sleeping next door to Eli, ran to Eli three times. The third time, Eli said, next time you do this and see what happens. So he did that. God gave him a word. God gives him a word. About whom? About the same Eli who taught him how to hear from God. Hallelujah. Who is this we are talking about, Samuel? Not the teenager, the boy. Say the boy. Samuel the boy. Samuel prophesied over Eli concerning God's judgment over his household. And the third thing that took place in this chapter, Samuel was established as a prophet over all Israel. He was confirmed as, an, as a prophet over all Israel. Now, like I said, in this chapter, when you read through this chapter, you will see the making of a prophet. This is how prophets are made. As a child, Samuel was serving in the house of the Lord. And clearly, what can a child do? What can a boy do in the house of God? Take instructions. That's it, right? Okay, take some water. Clean that, that corner. Sweep the floor. Um, bring that thing. Take that book. Uh, light up the lamps. Open the doors. That's what a boy can do. And that's what he was doing. Samuel was doing all these things. And that's what a boy can do. And his mother did not expect anything more than that also, by the way. When, when, when Hannah came to um, give Samuel unto the Lord, Hannah did not tell... Um, Hannah, Hannah did not tell Eli the priest, Pastor Eli, this is my firstborn son. You know, miracle child he is. We both prayed, waited long for, for, for finally for us to have this child. He's a special child. And um, surely he's not, he's a delicate darling, so he can't be of much use in, in the, the regular work in the, in, the, in the house, in the church. But he's got an interest in the prophetic. Maybe you can put him up in the prophet school, the school of prophets. But he can, he can sing because I've been a singer, you know, because I've written a song also. So he's heard me sing. Maybe he can be put in the worship team. So Hannah did not give any suggestions. Your offering must be without any strings attached. When you offer unto God, don't attach any strings. Don't put any conditions when you place things before God. Because it's a, it's a vow that she made. If you give me a child, I'll give it to him. I'll give him to you. All the days of his life, he shall be yours. No other conditions. No other conditions. Now I have to go by what I have committed to the Lord. Today, today we want, we have, we, we don't mind, we don't mind being in ministry, but we have some conditions, you know. 
So when you, when you say, Lord, I want to serve you, the Lord might ask you, to, okay, now I want, to, there's a, a requirement in the toilet. Can you go and clean up the toilet in my house? We heard about that on, on Friday when Brother Royce was ministering. He said, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, full of good reputation. Stephen was handpicked. They prayed about him. They laid hands and prayed over him. For what? For serving at the table. I, you, you must be kidding. You, you're saying that to pour coffee and some biscuits, this man has to be full of the spirit and full of wisdom and good reputation. So before God, in the eyes of God, everything that you do counts. But you, you have to come to that place where you don't have a lot of baggage on you. I'm, see, I'm, you don't know about me. I'm, I'm this high flyer. You know, I've traveled the globe. I've, I've been there. I've done that. I've, you know, I'm, I'm not used to doing menial job. You know, I've, I've, I've studied in foreign universities and, and I've worked with MNCs. And, you know, how can I? How can I possibly come? And that's the problem. Your worship must be with no strings attached. With no strings attached. What God wants you to do, you must do. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Some of us, you know, we are, we are willing to do it when we are just beginning. But once you come to that place where, like, you know, you, now few people know you, but like uh, you, you are now a senior person in the church. You are your child now. So now when you are asked to do something which is very menial, your hands can't, you can't bend now. Do not despise the baby steps in your walk with the Lord. Do not despise the days of small beginnings. Do not despise the process of God in building you up into what He wants you to be or who He wants you to be. Wants you to be. And this chapter concisely tells us how Samuel the prophet was made. He had to be a boy all by himself, separated from the family, under the care of an old man who was already, he, he was already blind. The Bible says his eyesight was failing. And he had a lot of burden about his sons. He was depressed. He was sad. He was full of remorse and, and self-pity and all kinds of things. So Samuel but still had to be in that place. Raised up by that person. Mentored by that person. For what? So that he can finally hear the audible voice of God. God's ways are, you know, you cannot explain how God works. You, you cannot have, you know, you cannot decide on the process. You cannot decide on the process. Because God knows how the process, how the process will impact. We might not like it, but what to do? That's how God wants to work in our lives. If I had my choice, then I would have a different story altogether. For all the years behind me, from the time I got saved. But I know that God has done me good. I love the fact that I was raised by God in the way he wanted me to be raised. He was such a simpleton. Look at Samuel. One of the, he went on to become one of the greatest prophets over Israel. But he started just like that. He ran to Eli when he heard the voice of God. Such a simpleton he was. So gullible. I mean, people could fool him. Forget prophesying. People could fool him. And they can like, you know, do some... Um, ventriloquism and says, see, see, Eli is calling you and he will run. That's how gullible he was. But he, he made those baby steps. He made those small beginnings. But God called this Samuel, the boy, by name. Not once, not twice, not thrice, but four times, and the fourth time he called him twice. Samuel, Samuel. Now whatever you are offered unto God wholeheartedly will be accepted by God wholeheartedly. Whatever you offer unto God wholeheartedly will be accepted by God wholeheartedly. Hannah offered unto God Samuel wholeheartedly. God received him Wholeheartedly, yes, he'll be my prophet. So let your true worship come forth with no strings attached. 
Do not demand that your name be mentioned on a plaque commemorating your worship unto God. Do not demand that your, your photo be put up on a, on a poster because you've done something for the Lord. Do not demand that your contributions to the ministry, whether in cash or kind or deed, gets acknowledged by in the public. Hannah, Hannah offered Samuel and that was it. She never bothered about Samuel after that. How can a mother be in that place? She never bothered. All she did was every year she'll come with one robe, hand-stitched, to give. And that's it. And that again is just to bless the servant of God who he is becoming. That again is offering unto God because now he's a servant of God. She stitched it with her hand. She'll come with it every, every year, year after year, with a robe to just bless this young servant of God in the making. Hallelujah. Okay, I want to tell parents of those parents who you have children in the ministry, bless your children. I want to repeat that. Bless your children who have decided to live for God and to serve God. Bless them. If you have the means to bless them, support them, stand with them, it's a blessing for you. It's a blessing for you. What I like about Samuel, when I, when I travel through the, this chapter, what I like about this, this chapter, this process is, Samuel never exited the process. He did not say, okay, next time, I'm, if somebody's going to call, I'm not going to respond. One time I did, two times I did, now third time I'm not going to do. But he did the third time also. It's like, you know, uh, Naaman the leper. Almost he gave up. Seven times take a dip in the river Jordan. He gave up after a few times. He almost gave up. Is there no good river in my land in Samaria? Why should I come to this dirty water and take a dip seven times? Like that it would have been. First time he heard, the boy heard, okay, ran. Second time he came back, oh, this time it must be my hallucination. Maybe I didn't, you know, sleep well the previous night maybe. But he went back again. The th See, be like a child. Be like a child. So that, that, I think that boyhood of Samuel worked in favor, worked in his favor. Because every time he heard the voice calling him, he went. He went to whom? To Eli, seeking help. Or seeking to know what, what transpired. Did you call me? Second time also, did you call me? He was shameless. By the third time, he should be like, he should feel some shame. Ayyoh, two times I've bothered this man. Old man, poor guy, he's sleeping. I woke him up in the middle of the night, asking, did you call me? Third time, I should not do that. But he was a shameless guy. He, I mean, like I said, a simpleton he was. Be simple in the kingdom. Be simple in the kingdom. Some of, some of you, God has not called you once or twice or even ten times also, but after the third time, I think you have kind of stopped responding. You stopped responding because it does not feel cool to run into the, <laughs> to run into the house of your pastor. What is that? After a few rounds, Samuel was told by Eli what it is and how to respond. So Samuel responded right to God's call. It is very important how you respond to God's call. It is not just enough that you are able to hear God. I, I, I can hear God. I, I know that when God speaks. Very good. I have news for you. Every Christian can. <laughs> you don't know that? If you are a Christian, if you are a born again believer, the Bible says that. My sheep will hear my voice. Every Christian can. But what do you do with it? What do you do with it? When God speaks to you, how do you respond? When a prophetic word comes to you, how do you respond? When somebody corrects you by the Spirit of God, how do you respond? Do you rebel? Do you push away from that person? Do you close the doors on that person? It is very important the way you respond when God speaks to you. Not just that you hear Him, but also the way you respond to Him. Hallelujah. Somebody get this. 
It's one thing to hear the voice of God and another thing to respond to it. You can sit under the voice of God week after week, day after day, and still miss out on recognizing that it is the voice of God. Okay, somebody didn't get this. You can sit under the voice of God day after day, week after week, and still miss out on the fact that you just heard God's voice. You'll be still like, did God really speak to me? See, it is a guarantee from God that you will not, you will not mishear God. It is His guarantee. Okay, somebody has to get this. Listen, listen, listen. A Christian who is not convinced when God speaks is a, is a baby Christian. The sign of maturity is this. A sign of maturity in your Christian walk is this, that you can hear God and you know what to do with it. It might be the most weirdest thing that you can think about. It can be the most... See, listen to this. What did God speak to Samuel first? How weird that word was. The, the, the person who spoke to him and taught him how to hear God now is hearing the voice of God the way he was taught. What is he hearing? He is hearing that God is going to judge that very person. That's right. Every word was, he was so afraid. The Bible says that he was so afraid that he, he didn't want to go and tell Eli. But Eli knew that God had spoken. God, he, Eli called him, my son, Samuel. My son, what did God speak to you? Let's, let's, let's look at that. Chapter 3, verse 16. First Samuel chapter 3 and verse 16. Let's read from verse 15. So Samuel lay down until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. But Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And he said, what is the word that he spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. May God do so to you. And more also, if you hide anything from me, of all the words that he spoke to you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Hallelujah. The making of a prophet. First he was taught how to respond to the voice. First he was taught how to sit in the presence of God. When God speaks to you, tell him, Lord, here I am, speak to me. Your servant is listening. The next thing is he heard. And then did not stop there. The, the, the mandarin did not stop there. The next day morning the mender came to him and asked him, what did God speak to you? You must be so thankful of people who probe you. What did God speak to you? Did God speak to you? Did God speak to you? When you say something, if, God, if, if, if people were to ask you, did God speak to you? It's a good question. It's a very good question. It keeps you safe. It keeps you safe. It keeps you grounded. Because we, if, if let on our own, we can all come up with our own whims and fancies. We can have our own stories, our own scripts. We'll do our own thing and we'll all end up in trouble. Eli asked Samuel, what did God speak to you? Do not hide it from me. So now, look at that, the process. They say process. First he was taught how to hear, how to respond. Then he was taught how to hear. Now he's being taught how to translate that into words. It's a prophetic lesson. Prophetic lesson by a man of God. He may, see that's what, that's what the Bible says, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. As God might deal with the man of God the way he wants to deal with him, but he is still the man of God. Eli is still the man of God over whom? Over Samuel. So Eli has to open the prophetic. Listen, Eli has to open the prophetic in whose life? In Samuel's life. He opened his hearing. He opened his understanding. He opened his posture, prophetic posture. Everything was opened by whom? By Eli. And then finally Eli is opening his mouth to speak forth. Don't hide it. Speak. I'm here today because some Eli's have acted upon me and pushed me to do things that God has called me to do. I would have been like, you know, shaky knees and, you know, feeble and loss of words and gasping for breath and all, but God used somebody like that, some mentors in my life. 
to put me to the front and say do it you speak what the spirit is putting in your heart you speak in this case it was quite weird because this man ha- is now left without he has to speak against the very person who was asking him to speak but the lesson the process is still the same that's why the process is not at over so look at that one more time eli opened his ears eli opened his response eli opened his posture eli opened the way he is supposed to um receive it eli opened the way he is supposed to speak and then eli confirmed it is the lord like once you hear from god doesn't mean that you can do your own thing i heard the voice of god now now i don't need eli now i am a prophet in israel samuel did not leave the house of god until he was confirmed and established by god hallelujah praise god now you must understand see there's a divine order say order divine process you might not like it but god has a process god has his ways god has his principles god will not bypass it you might want to bypass it you might want to make it short you might be so excited when something happens but god has his ways he was so afraid he was, i like the fact that he was afraid you know why because it shows that he was a humble boy he was a humble boy he heard the voice of god very clearly strong prophetic word but he was afraid to tell it to eli because you know that this is the order of god unless eli asked me to say i can't but eli said speak what did god speak to you i want to know what did god speak to you and when though it was unpleasant samuel spoke that every word without hiding unpleasant then what did eli said it is the lord hallelujah when god speaks it is not enough that you hear it you must respond to it in submission and samuel learned to do that and i would say this marked the beginning of his prophetic journey when you learn to respond to the voice of god it will mark the beginning of your incredible journey with the lord verse 15 so samuel lay down until morning then he opened the doors of the house of the lord but samuel was afraid to tell the vision to eli why was he afraid what did god speak to him let's see what god spoke to him okay let's go back verse 11 onwards the lord said to samuel behold i am about to do a thing in israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle first word very first prophetic word a little boy isn't it too tender to receive that we think like that no yeah so sometimes you know when we when we when we in ministry sometimes we deal it like deal with god's word like this we try to make it very light we try to make it light for the people to get it but god is not like that when god wants to speak heavy he speaks heavy he there is no dilution with god because is god who is speaking god knows that i will enable this boy to handle what i speak so when god spoke to eli so to samuel god also gave the ability to samuel to receive it well i am about to do a thing in israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle in that day i will carry out against eli all that i have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end for i have told him that i am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew because his sons brought a curse on themselves and he did not rebuke them is it is it a big mistake before god you know why god takes it so seriously is disobedience of the children a serious issue with which will be dealt with the parents which god will deal with the parents is it does the bible say anything about it do you know what the bible talks about the role of a priest those who does not heed to the voice of a priest you know what are they supposed to get they're supposed to be stoned to death those who does not heed the voice of a priest or a judge according to the book of deuteronomy you can go back and read i think it's in chapter 16 or 17 somewhere there it says those of you among you 
who does not heed to the voice of the priest or the judge must be stoned to death. You know what must be done to the children who dishonor their parents, who are disobedient to the parents? The parents are supposed to bring them before the elders and declare this child of mine or this children of mine are disobedient, are stubborn, are wayward. And then the elders will stone them to death. <sighs> you didn't know that? Go back and read Deuteronomy chapter 17 to I think up to 25. Somewhere around there you'll see all this. That's how serious this was. So when, when you see, how can God be so strong against Eli? At least poor guy taught Samuel to hear from God. The truth is God's word is God's word. His standards are God's standards. Man, and that's why as Christians, we must be so thankful. We must be so, 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 so thankful because we are in a better covenant with God. We are beneficiaries of a better covenant. If I were to take the number of times I should be stoned to death because I was disobedient to my parents, I would be dead a, a good number of times. Like we say, born again, I would be dead again. That's how, uh, how I was. And I know that all of you can say the same thing for yourself. I don't want to, I don't want to speak for you. But I know about myself. If the cost of disobedience was that the parents would drag the child before the elders and declare their disobedience openly, rebuke them openly, and then them getting stoned, then we, are all, we were all worthy of that. We were all worthy of that. If the cost of disobedience to the voice of God's servant was to being stoned to death, I would have been stoned to death many times. But praise God, there's a blood that covers Praise God, there is a blood that covers. It speaks, it intercedes. It stands in the gap. And it says that he is righteous. He is perfect. He is holy. He is chosen. Sometimes it is good for us to study the Old Testament just so that we'll understand the weight of the weight of God's standards. The gospel has only made that very clear. God, the gospel has only made the standards of God very clear. Is high standards. That's why when we truly understand the gospel, we'll realize that we've been forgiven much. We've been forgiven much. If we were under the law. If we were under the law. We were deserving of being stoned to death. We were not even under the law, by the way. We were alienated even from that. Gentiles. If God's people, God's chosen people deserve this kind of punishment for what they did, how much more Gentiles would have? If not for the blood of Christ and for the work on the cross. The word of the Lord which came to Samuel. God, God told Samuel that Eli... His sons, Eli's sons, brought a curse on themselves and Eli did not rebuke them. The church must understand there is a reward in speaking right at the right time. Whether it is to your son or to your daughter or to your husband or to your wife or to a fellow believer, there is a reward. There's a reward duty is upon you to speak that which is right. Don't try to please. Don't try to please. Rebuke in love. Rebuke in love. Speak the truth with boldness. Don't dilute God's word. Don't hide anything. Don't hide anything. 
present the word which god puts in your heart the way he puts it in your heart hallelujah and that's the that's the weight of the goodness upon us which christ has laid over us we have to speak the truth in love speak the truth in love